I'm ready with y'all, I guess. All right, ready? Yep. All right, three, two, whatever. What is good, everybody? It is your boy, Francis Carlotta, with Connor Byrne and Grant Heckinger on episode 13. Lucky 13, or is it unlucky? Lucky? I, I don't remember anymore. Episode 13 of the Up and Under. How are y'all doing today, guys? <laughs> Just waiting to see how long that would take. Uh, <laughs> sorry. I am I'm doing very well, Francis. <laughs> Thank you for asking. Good. I, I, I appreciate you all waiting for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Playoffs hasn't haven't been disappointing, so let's uh, let's talk about it. Yeah, let's do it. I I've been really busy recently, you know, just got with my law school and law clerk stuff and everything. But look, basketball does not stop, and tons of tons has happened. Tons tons of basketball has happened since our last podcast. And so, just to recap everything, we can start in the Eastern Conference. The Miami Heat and Jimmy Buckets knocked out the Giannisless Bucks. Boston out, Boston outlasted Toronto in a seven-game series, really for the ages, where it just seemed like the sliders were turned up to the max in the final two minutes of the games. Then the West, Micro Ball got stomped on by the Lakers, leaving Harden and the Rockets wondering really what to do with Russell Westbrook. And finally, what does Denver say to death? Not today. They came back 3-1 down against the Jazz. That's cool and all. Denver was supposed to be the better team anyway, whatever. But then they came back 3-1 down against the LA Clippers, the team damn near everybody picked to win to to win the NBA title, at the very least make it to the Western Conference Final. The Nuggets defied the odds and sent Kawhi Leonard, Pandemic P, and a poor man to Marcus Smart back home. So gentlemen, we've got to start there. Did well, the Nuggets uh, just really quickly, I was I was going to have this a, an audio clip ready for this uh, for this podcast, but then I forgot about it. So I'm just going to say it out loud uh, and oh, make please. you remember when we were talking back in our very first episode of the podcast. You guys were like, "Oh, for sure, it's the three Lakers, Clippers, and Bucks." And I was like, "Oh no, I think it's about ten or so teams that might make it in there." You go, "No, no, no." Anyway, keep going. Sorry, Denver Nuggets. Wait, on yeah. that on that yeah. note, just real quick, this. This year has provided a lot of uncertainty that's not usual. I mean, the, the NBA playoffs are, Connor, you've said boring in the past, um, but they're real, definitely notorious yeah, for yeah, being yeah. predictable um, with, with you know, seven games. Over seven games, uh, the best team typically wins. Um, and I actually did some research into this. So, so right now the Lakers are the only top two seed in the conference finals. So you actually have to go back to 2013 to find even the – last time that only two top two seeds were in the conference finals yeah since wow. since that since that happened there have actually been three years when all four top two seeds were in the finals um so it, it's very rare do y'all want to guess when the last time only one top two seed made it to the conference finals 1991 okay francis oh god 2001 Connor was very close, 1990. Ooh. So, oh wow, 30 years ago. That's pretty wow. crazy. This just doesn't happen. So, uh, my point is, no fault on me and Francis for not getting right. this okay. right. Okay, yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and even and we talked about this before, Connor. It's 
the bubble's so different. Like if it, we recorded that podcast back in March when things were quote unquote normal, whatever the fuck that means. But back then, it was more reasonable to say that it was the big the big three teams in the NBA that were going to make it to the to the finals or win the title. Now with the bubble, with all that's happening in the world and everything that's that's transpired, of course there's way more parity. Of course there's there's way more change in who's actually contenders yeah. in, in the finals. But yeah, Connor, I I look. Props to you, man, for go. sticking with your guns. <laughs> props to you for sticking with your guns from the very beginning. So you know, definitely big up on you. But look, I wanted to ask you guys: Did the Denver Nuggets actually win? this series or did the clippers choke away this series connor you can go first uh can i say both or does it have to be one or the one or the other pick one answer any way you like to man uh don't be a bitch and hedge though if you blow a 3-1 lead both things happen have to happen like if you go back to yeah the uh Cavs versus warriors uh you know kind of like as you could say the Nuggets won this series same way the Cavs won this series. Like you had LeBron, so you won the series. But also uh, the same way you could say the Clippers, Kawhi, and Paul George, the rest of the team didn't show up in those later games. You could say that well the Warriors had a hobbled Steph and a hurry Draymond, so they also kind of lost it on the road. And, uh, so, right. but uh, yeah, no, definitely the the Nuggets, great job. The the defense clicked in right when it needed to. But my God, that. Uh, that Clippers offense was awful in the in late games. It was terrible, series. just terrible. Yeah, Grant, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong that it does take both, but I think the Clippers just choked this away. I mean, all they had to do was not give up one of their three double-digit leads, and they would have been yeah. fine. Like it, it took so it would have taken so much so little effort for them to win this. Um, and yeah, I mean, props to the the Nuggets. Um, now obviously, Jamal Murray, Murray's on a tear. Jokic had an incredible series. Um, great job to them. But no, this is on the Clips. I mean, Kawhi Leonard, a, a player who is known for being extremely consistent and relentless, um, more really than he is kind of. He doesn't really have the the highs that a player like LeBron has. Um, he's more just like you know, I'm, I'm going to be really good every single night. And he was right. And in game five, and then in game six and seven, mm-hmm. he was terrible. So I mean, that yep. just that just doesn't happen. Um, and I, I I don't know what else to say. The I mean, the Clippers, I think, just gave this one away. Yeah, that's I really like that point you made about Kawhi Grant. And before I continue, if you hear pitter patters in the background, y'all, that's my dog walking around my apartment. So <laughs> that's what that sound is. Yet, but good but to yeah, good. Just so you know, for because <laughs> this is a very sensitive mic. But anyway. I like that point you made uh, about Kawhi, though, Grant, because, to, correct me if, if you, you think I'm just reaching or whatever, but to me, watching this series, this seemed to be the most emotion I've seen from Kawhi Leonard, just in, in general. In, in an overall playoff series, he was, you could visibly see how he was actually feeling throughout, the, throughout especially games five through seven, like, and it was frustration. You could see the frustration in his face. In the way his teammates were playing and and the and, and the mistakes they were making, you could see that the whole team's body language was just not there. And you can see, especially in Kawhi, which is so interesting because Kawhi is normally the guy who's always I'm here to play basketball. I don't really show tons of emotion, but he showed a lot of emotion, and it was not the emotion that's positive. It was very negative stuff. Um, I wanted to give just a little bit of little bit of stats stats about this. So in games one through four, 
Paul George was plus 30. After games 5 through 7, he was minus 46. Or, sorry, in games 5 through 7, he was minus 46. Yes. Kawhi was plus 21 after game 4. Then after games 5 through 7, he was minus 34. Now, Montrezl Harrell, as, as, something I, as someone I wanted to talk about a, a little bit later, he was minus 1 in games 1 through 4. So, like, he, he definitely wasn't that good even when the Clippers were winning. And we can talk about why Harrell was such a bad matchup, etc., etc. But after game 4, he was minus 36. You know, of course, you could do the inverse and talk about Denver's change and plus minus. But watching the games, you could also just see, as I talked about earlier, there was something wrong with the Clippers. You know, like every time LA got that big lead, it was like Denver had the Clippers right where they wanted them. You know, to a degree, at some point, the script had to flip, right? LA go, gets that, goes and gets that big lead, and Denver just doesn't have the energy, doesn't have the fight to come back all that way, and the Clippers close out the game. Like, you would think that would happen at least once, but it never did. And, look, I, I just, I have to give a lot of props to the Nuggets, and I think the Clippers choked away, choked away the three-one lead because, like you said, Grant, they all they had to do was hold on to the to one double-digit lead that they had over the past over the past games, but they didn't. So I I gotta give lean more towards the Nuggets being, or sorry, the Clippers being the ones who choked overall in the series. Yeah, and I think I think it was Mark Jackson who made, brought up a pretty interesting point um, that we hold we don't hold Kawhi the same standard that we hold that we hold a player like LeBron. Like LeBron was in this same situation. Don't hold wasn't. To the same standard yeah, exactly. I mean, we no, don't. Nobody. We don't. Yeah, exactly. But it's it was if LeBron was in the same situation, all the blame would be put on LeBron. Be like, why aren't right. you carrying your team? Um, so I, I think maybe there's a little bit of excuses made for Kawhi, and, and you know he's he's earned some leeway for sure um, with his performances in the past. Uh, this is like I said, very uncharacteristic for him. Uh, but you know, very. at the same time, this has got to be on his shoulders. He's got to be if he's going to be top three player in the league he's got to be a top three player in the league when it really matters uh, yeah another interesting thing with this is if you look back at last year and i don't remember if you i don't think he won the award because i think Budenholzer got it but doc rivers uh coach of the year type candidate with last year's clippers team which was full yeah. of solid role players who like knew how to play basketball play off each other type of thing and right. this year, you still have a good amount of guys who are pretty smart puzzle players, good role players. Like, you still have your Lou Will, you still have your Montrez, you still got Pat Bev. But then you have a couple of star guys, and all of a sudden, you don't have a very good season. And as a coach for Doc Rivers, I wonder what it's like just going from a team where probably you were doing actually a lot of coaching of, okay, we're going to run this end, you're going to curl around this screen, you're going to backdoor this moment, that type of thing. Whereas this year, it's yeah. like you have these two stars that everyone's here to watch in LA in Kawhi and Paul George. And just kind of like, yeah, all right, give them the ball and see what happens. And if they have the ball and nothing's happening, you're just like, I guess I got to yeah. ride with them. And like, did you just feel like I have to ride with this? And or like, is it on Doc to make some adjustments and find other ways to get them open or a new looks than what they were doing in that game in those games? Yeah, it's it's you you really don't want to overcomplicate it with guys like that usually, um, so because you just expect them to create their own stuff. Um, but I mean, yeah, when they're when they're shooting like that, it, it's it's how do you what do you switch to when when you've been going back to them all year? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it definitely kills your diversity of offense a little bit. It's yeah. especially tough when you're two guys. Not that they're bad playmakers, but they're not playmakers first. Like a, a LeBron team. That's a great point. Or you know, can 
a team with LeBron, if LeBron isn't scoring, they can still win a game because LeBron can can make plays for others the entire time. They still have a good offense. While Kawhi and Paul George aren't bad passers, it's not naturally what they're best at. So if they're not scoring, like right. their, their ability to pass the yeah. ball really hurts as well, or lack of. Yeah, I haven't even brought up Paul George yet, and that's just because I love his game so much, and he's maybe the smoothest player in the entire league. Yeah, he's so um, smooth. He's just so smooth. incredible to watch. But yeah, I mean, he, yeah. He, this this wasn't where this was really unexpected for Kawhi. Sadly, this wasn't that unexpected for Paul George to put up these type of performances. Uh, but I yeah. still love his game so much. Very, very quick plug to a human being that we would all be honored to just be graced by his presence. And that's Zach Lowe, because I listened to his podcast earlier today, and he gave an amazing 12-minute monologue about the magnitude of this Clippers loss, like what it really, really means, not just for the Clippers, but also in relation to Kawhi's legacy Mm -hmm. and Paul George's interesting, he brought up a very interesting career arc that Paul George has. And he cited how back when Paul George was 22 years old and he played for the Pacers and played against the Heat in, I'm, I might be forget, I might be getting this wrong, it's either the conference final of the East or maybe the round before. Maybe you can correct me, but I, I can't remember at this moment. Um, but Paul George was the guy. Like, he, yeah. he was clutch as I hell. Think that was a he had every final. big shot. Yeah, I think it was a conference final. Like he was clutch as hell. He was the guy, and he and Zach Lowe even mentioned a moment where LeBron and and PG like low fived each other in the heat of the game because even LeBron, his greatness, could see that what Paul George was doing at 22 was like, holy fuck, who is this kid? Yeah. This is crazy. They're playing so well. So he went from being the dude who had that clutch, the clutch gene, to after a run of frankly disappointing playoff playoff appearances even related to his later days in Indiana and when he went to Oklahoma City and up to now, it's really interesting to see how his his whole reputation has flipped from the beginning of his career up until now. And then with Kawhi, like you said, Grant, we kind of got to give him a pass because because of his past. He's so... He, this is not Kawhi Leonard. I, I, if, you, if you gave me next season and to, to bet on Kawhi being this version of himself or being genuinely Kawhi Leonard I'd bet on him being Kawhi 10 times out of 10 and probably twice on Sunday because it's it's Kawhi Leonard but my issue with Kawhi this series was was not really how he performed in the in the the overall overall seven games my issue with him was really game seven because he was switched on Jokic so many times and for some reason he never attacked he never took Jokic to the rim and that really bothered me he he tried to he'd give the ball up or he'd settle for a jump shot and like look I love Nikola Jokic all three of us love Nikola Jokic but he's not he's not the quote-unquote switchable defense switchable big that you say all right you put you on an island you can switch out in the sky and you're fine that's not what who Jokic is but Kawhi made Jokic look like that and that really bothered me because if Kawhi is supposed to be the guy and like last episode we just had Danny Galvin on and he was talking about Kawhi being one of the best players in the world. If he is supposed to be that guy, you have to look at Jokic and say, all right, you're, you're a great player and all, but I'm Kawhi, and I'm taking you to the rack, and I'm going to make you defend me at the rim because really nobody else in the world can do that when I attack the hole. But he didn't, and I was so disappointed in, in Kawhi in that regard. And like you said, Grant, I don't even want to talk about PG, but yeah sorry go ahead go ahead no, I, I just the great points for instance one of the things i was gonna add with that especially with Kawhi, is because i had the same thing there's a couple of times where 
He even threw a pump fake, and he had Jokic like kind of jump into Kawhi instead of Kawhi just going for the free throw, like going with it and letting the free throws happen. He passed yeah. it out. But the thing was like Jokic yeah. has four fouls in the second half of Game Seven. Get him out of there. Yes. Attack him. Get this guy out Seriously. of the game. <laughs> yeah. It's your only chance to win is if he's not in. Hot take. Kawhi had money on the Nuggets. <laughs> that would be that would be amazing if we found that out years later. Oh what God. a yeah, what an unexpected character okay, to, to be betting on these games. What if Kawhi bet on the Nuggets to win a ton of money mm-hmm. and the Nuggets won? And then if Tweet found out like this we found this out a week from now, but then we found out that Kawhi gave all the money to a great charity. Are people still upset? Oh my god. Are you allowed to be upset? Oh my god. Have you been thinking of this scenario for a while? <laughs> yeah, I feel like this was pre planned. No, no, just Jesus. build it off of thinking like, about this. <laughs> like, what if he gave it to, like, you know, Meals on Wheels or I don't know, something that's like a, a good cause, right? Like, to pe- or people are just like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> that's, a, that's a philosophical discussion that I don't think I'm prepared to have at this moment, yeah. quite, okay. quite honestly. Okay. Next episode. Take <laughs> it over, we can talk yeah, about ne- it later. Yeah, we'll talk about it next episode. We'll have morality with the up and under. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what we'll do next episode, but. Yeah, like I said, I, I I don't even want to talk really about Paul George because I again I looked at his stats throughout the whole series. He wasn't absolutely awful. He had a bad game four and obviously a bad game seven. But besides that, he wasn't terrible at least on on from a box score perspective. But like game seven, he had a wide open corner three, and I think this is this the. The, vi- the vision that all of us have about Paul George in that game. Wide open corner three and hit the side of the backboard. Like, yeah, I mean, we've all on. been there, though. Come on. <laughs> well, well, yeah, that's true. I, I, I'm Give not, the guy I, a break. I'm not going to deny that. You know, if I did that in a pickup game, no one's going to pass me the ball again. So, <laughs> you know, I've, I've definitely been there. But, like, they just were terrible. Just, I love Kawhi Leonard. To clarify that. You love Paul George, but they were to bad. To clarify that Paul George shot, because I couldn't tell from the angle, but Normally you see someone hit off the backboards because they're kind of like behind it, but he wasn't right. Like he was in no, yeah, it no. did, did not okay. appear so. All right, just making sure, yeah. No, he was fine. Like he was in a, a, a just a, a, cor- a normal corner three spot, and he just shot it off the side of the backboard. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, hey, I don't understand. But another question I wanted to ask y'all, I'm sh- I sh- I'm sure the two of you. And a lot of our listeners know that the Clippers traded away a bunch of assets for Paul George. We don't we don't need to go into all the details, but they traded away so much for Paul George. Knowing that is next season, and also knowing that Paul George and Kawhi could could leave L.A. after next season, is next year genuinely championship or bust for the Clippers? Yes. Um, yeah. I I don't know if it would have been you know if, if they had made conference finals and not have this super disappointing exit um if they you know if, if they what i'm saying is they didn't have to necessarily win a championship out of these two years but after this super disappointing ex- exit if they don't at least really get close next year um yeah i, I don't i don't know i don't know what they're gonna do after that i, I don't see both guys returning um and I, I don't really. The problem is I don't. I don't know. They don't have any avenues, really, any paths to improve. No. Um, with nope. their contract situation and with obviously, like you said, their depletion of draft picks. Um, so I, I and they, they really shouldn't need to improve them. This is a loaded team. This is no the most the most loaded team in the NBA. Um, they really shouldn't need to improve. But yeah, I I think 
if they don't win next year, they're going to be in a really tough situation with those two guys. And if those if one of those two guys leaves, then their future is not very bright for the next you know five seven years. So yeah, it's gonna be rough at the least. Yeah, at the least. I think it, I think it's not necessarily win the finals, but make it to the finals type yeah. situation. Uh, I think if they're close yeah. enough, then that it might be it might be okay. But yeah. yeah. Someone pointed out, I forget who it was, but someone pointed out, uh, if you think about Sam Presti and the Thunder, Sam Presti got six first-round picks, or was that the number of six first-round picks, uh, just to be kicked out of the playoffs around earlier than the Rockets and the Clippers did. <laughs> just like, what a yep. deal. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. It, it, they should, at the very least, get close next season. I just I don't know what they do. I don't know if they fire Doc. I don't know who they bring in, who they trade, if they if they even need to. I've talked about I brought this point in a previous podcast where during the regular season there was even there's still a period of time where the Clippers were they were third in the West. If or I I I've, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, definitely a few weeks, maybe even a month. They were third in the West and people were wondering a little bit what's wrong with the Clippers. But really, there was nothing wrong with them. They were all hurt. Like, Pat Beverly was hurt. Uh, just They just they suffered just a plethora of injuries. And then when they all got healthy near the end of um, the season, before quarantine, they were looking like the LA Clippers. And they really had time the, the time to gel. And then quarantine. And then now the bubble. Everyone talks about how Montrezl Harrell uh, missed a lot of the bubble because of family, family, family issues. And then... Lou Will also missed the bubble for uh, a funeral. I think they both missed for a funeral that we all know about freaking hot wing Lou and everything. So we know, we know all about that stuff, but the Clippers never really meshed and correct. Now, again, tell me if you think I'm reaching, but were the Nuggets actually a tough matchup for the Clippers? And I bring that up because of Montrez Harrell, because of the genuine awesomeness of Nikola Jokic, there was nobody on that team that could guard him. Nobody. Harold's too small. Just he's too small. Jokic will bully him, pass over him. Just couldn't stop him. Zubac is Ivaka Zubac and not that great of a basketball player. So do you think the, do you actually think the Nuggets could have been, in retrospect, a bad matchup for the Clippers? Yeah. I th- yeah, right? I think if you look at the Clippers, their one weakness is they don't have like anyone to defend a true, you know, great big. Uh, yeah, the same thing. I think when they faced the Lakers, they would have had problems with the AD probably as well. Um, right, but just so unfortunate they had one. I guess they had multiple roster flaws. If you ever lose, I guess you have more than one roster flaw. But we definitely just they definitely the Nuggets definitely just exposed their biggest one. Yeah, no, I definitely, but it shouldn't have been enough. I mean, without Jamal Murray going you know supernova like he has been going um and without the clippers choking it shouldn't have been enough i think the more pressing need from watching that series for me is they really just need one more knockdown dribble handoff shooter um well, yeah I, which i mean the only one on the roster really is landry shamet shamet landry shamet that's a good point um, yeah that's which a really good point he couldn't really get on the floor that much um so they just watching some of their lineups out there, where it was Jamichael Green, Lou Williams, Kawhi, uh, Paul George, and I don't remember who else. One other guy, Patrick Beverly or something. Um, and they're, they're all like good shooters. They're all pretty solid shooters, but they just have no one who really 
commands the attention that doesn't already have the ball in their hands. Like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard already have the ball in their hands all the time. Right. So they, they need someone who doesn't have their ball in their hands who's going to command the attention um, of right. these other guys. Like a J.J. Redick, you're saying, would be perfect for that team. Right, exactly. J.J. Redick yeah. would be perfect if, if they could get that guy. Yeah. That's 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 what I really saw them missing. Um, that that was the piece I think they're – if they're going to improve, that's where they should probably focus on because, um, yeah, Jokic is not a great matchup, but I, I think – and under normal circumstances, it really shouldn't matter, especially if you have that piece too. Yeah, yeah, I like that point. That's a very good point. That the Clippers have a bunch of good shooters, and Kawhi definitely better than good shooter. Paul George is typically a better than good shooter, but there was they don't have a great shooter. So I definitely like that point, Grant, that they were missing that great shooter that a lot of these championship teams have. But uh, yeah, definitely like that point. Or, so or even a stretch know. five, even if like it's not a great yeah. shooter, but a five yeah. who can. Go out where they well, Jim, just that's, to the paint type thing. That's where Jermichael Green. That's where they had to use Jermichael Green. And Jermichael Green's solid, but um, when you're playing Jermichael Green against Nikola Jokic, then you're kind of at a at a weak point of weakness there. So yeah. So Connor, you're saying the Clippers needed Davis Bertans, is what yeah, you're saying? <laughs> that would be perfect. Yeah. I think of Duncan Bertans Robinson. more as a tall point guard, but yeah, that's, that's <laughs> <what I> <laughs> a playmaker. Yeah. A playmaker. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> You heard it here first, everybody. Connor Byrne, Davis Bertans, the starting point guard for the Washington Wizards next year. <laughs> so, yeah, enough about the Clippers. Let's talk about the actual Western Conference final. How do y'all think the Nuggets are going to match up against the Lakers? I would love to hear a few X factors or keys to the series uh, for either the Nuggets or the Lakers, and either one of you can start. I'm going to go with they are not a good matchup. I feel like y'all might go in a different direction. I'm gonna go with they. They're just Who's not a team. The the Nuggets are not a good. Sorry, the Nuggets. Sorry, the Nuggets do not match up nuggets. well with the Lakers. Gotcha. This will be a bad series for the Nuggets. Um, gotcha. I don't think they're a team that's built to stop both LeBron and Anthony Davis. I don't. I don't know. I, I don't know who they put on. I mean, I guess Paul Millsap and Jeremy Grant are their, their two options. Um, and Jokic on Anthony Davis doesn't sound that great. Uh, so I, I, I don't think it's a great matchup. I think I, I'm going to go with the. This is going to be extreme, but I'm going to go with the Lakers in five. Oh wow! Mm. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask for predictions later, but wow, Grant yeah. coming in hot. Yeah. All right, all right, Connor, what what do you think? Well, let's let's look at history here for a moment. So Nuggets first series play a team that had no perimeter defense. In the, in the, uh, in the Jazz. Utah Jazz. Sorry, yeah. And then they played a team <laughs> with no interior defense in the Clippers. It had, then, like, it was an inverse. So the Jazz had great right. interior defense. And then the Clippers have great perimeter defense. They kind of went for the one or the other. But now they're playing the Lakers, who have AD inside. Um, plus, they have LeBron on the outside, Danny Green, if he still got his step. Danny Green on the outside, Caruso like running around. It's like I, it's gonna be interesting. It's almost like a, a mix of the two teams where both are are uh, solid, but neither perimeter or interior are elite. Like one single person's elite, right. I think in that one. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I, I don't know how to to say like oh the Nuggets are gonna have this advantage because it's not like okay clearly Jamal Murray has an advantage now or clearly Jokic has an advantage now. Uh, I think Jokic yeah. will win the battle against AD, but I think the Lakers will 
take the series. Jokic will win the battle, but the Lakers win the war. Yeah. Is that what you're trying to say? I think, yeah, the, the Lakers match up real well size-wise um, with the Nuggets. And I think, I don't think the Lakers necessarily have anyone who's going to slow Jamal Murray down, but I also am not going to expect him to continue to be the hottest player in the in the world. Um, in the pl- on the planet, on the planet for, this, yeah. for this entire series. Um, so I'm, I'm going to expect him to come back to earth a little bit. I, I, it's going to be really inter- interesting to see how much of a leap he's actually taken and how much this is just him being incredibly hot. Um, he's yeah. definitely taken somewhat of a leap, but it, it's going to yeah. be interesting f- figuring out where that line is. Um, so I, I don't expect the, the Lakers don't have a great matchup for Jamal Murray. I mean, Danny Green's a great defender, but Jamal Murray's going to get his, but it, it, he's going to have to. I think he's going to have to put up more historic performances for them to have really a, a good chance. If the Lakers get to a point where they need to win or they're going home, um, what do you expect from LeBron defensively? Who he's guarding, and what his, or what his role is in the defense? I I think LeBron. If LeBron turns it up a notch, I think this series is a great series for him to kind of play a Draymond safety role, um, where he's he's a step ahead of the Nuggets cutting and stuff, and he's, he's directing the team. He's um, he's making sure that everybody's in the right place and they're not getting beat mm-hmm. on their cuts, um, and they're making the right rotations and stuff. That, that's where I think the Lakers communicate really well, and that's where I kind of think they can make up some of that advantage that the Nuggets have with their um, with their offense and their passing and everything. Um, yeah. The Lakers are a good team to with LeBron on the, on the floor, especially that they're a good team to communicate the nuggets out of that, you know, yeah. to, yeah. to kind of take away that advantage. But yeah. I, oh, that's just, where I see LeBron watch... at his bat, at his peak, turning it up a notch and really imposing do, his will. Do on you the see, could you see if, if Jokic is able to push uh, AD around down low, just with his weight, could you see them putting LeBron on, on him just because he's the only guy who's strong enough to not, to not move? To not be moved? No. No. Never. Okay. I, I I I think LeBron would say no. I'm I'm not I'm not gonna wear myself down like that. Yeah. Okay. LeBron's, LeBron's too smart to to do that to be that short sighted. Yeah, I fully agree. Then if you put LeBron on Jokic, you just stick AD as like a floater role, or who do you put him yeah, on? So I think that would just create a uh, just other problems. You, you put him on like a Jerry Grant or Bill Sapp, gonna be a rumor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's then you would just switch roles. Like maybe AD would be that safety. But look, all you have to do is look at the Rocket series and you and just to see how good the Lakers are defensively when they're all clicking. Like they're all they're all rotating properly. They're all communicating. They're basically everywhere all at once, and they're so fucking long. Like they're they're so tall and so long. It's so hard to score against them at the rim and and just get off the shot you're trying to get off. Uh, I think. For me, the the matchup to watch will definitely be AD and Jokic, because I look. We had our heated debate in our All NBA episode about AD and Jokic, and Grant took the AD side of that debate, and Connor I took the Jokic side of that debate. If Anthony Davis wants to prove that he deserved Defensive Player of the Year this year, which for some reason, well, a lot of people do think that I I disagree, but a lot of people do think he should have been Defensive Player of the Year. If that's the case. I better see Anthony Davis on Jokic the entire series, and I I, I, I better see that because I, I don't necessarily think that AD will be able to stop Jokic, but if there is somebody who is quote-unquote designed and built 
to stop Nikola Jokic, it's probably Anthony Davis. But or with that said, I think Jokic would Rudy still. <laughs> yeah, or that's right. Or probably Rudy Gobert. So I'd still think Jokic is gonna get the advantage on that. But it'll be really fun to watch Anthony Davis and Jokic uh, in in this series. And also, it'll be cool to see how the Lakers defend the Murray Jokic pick and roll. Yeah. Right, because you can't sag off. You can't sag off Jamal Murray because he'll just pull pull up for three and knock it in your face. You can't follow Jamal because Jokic is there. Maybe they trap Murray a lot and force the ball out of his hands, kind of how people defend the Boston Celtics pick and roll. They force the ball out of Kemba's hands, or if Jason Tatum is on the pick and roll, you force the ball out of his hands. So maybe maybe that's what they do, but you know, we'll see. That'll be very interesting. And then, you know, like y'all touched on with guarding LeBron, you know, who guards LeBron? Jeremy Grant, maybe, Paul Millsap, like you said, Grant. Um, maybe they throw a, a smaller Tory Craig, who's kind of like a pest. But look, I don't see any of them stopping LeBron. So <laughs> I don't LeBron know if it was really him. like a yeah, if that's even a thing, right? Maybe you love know? that term. Used to love that term. I know, right? I don't, if that's even a thing, but Grant, I I think what you said at the jump in terms of this being a bad matchup for the for the Nuggets, I don't think that's really that hot of a take. I I don't think it's I think it's a very bad matchup for them. The Lakers are so much longer and are actually built to defend this team perhaps better than the Clippers were built to defend the Nuggets. So uh, I'll just give my prediction already since you gave yours, Grant. I'm going to go Lakers in six just to give a couple games to Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic being two of the best players on the planet right now. But I would still definitely take the Lakers in the series. So that's that would be my prediction. You know who y'all are forgetting about? Y'all aren't factoring this in. Michael Porter Jr. Please. No. Uh, well, that's actually a good wait, point. Like, which team? Which team? Oh, Lakers. Lakers. You're probably going to JaVale McGee. Marquise Morris. <laughs> or just close to JaVale McGee. Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard. Uh, y'all, y'all, Dwight y'all Howard. thought they, y'all thought, you know, he didn't. They didn't play him last series. Yeah, yeah but no, they were just saving him for this matchup. All right. <laughs> yeah. They're going to yeah, unleash yeah, yeah. Dwight Howard on Nicole Jokic. Like He's going to be prime. I love it. He's yeah. going to be 2012 Orlando prime. How many minutes is I that? I love that. A game. How many minutes is he getting a game with the series? Uh, probably like 25. Two. 25 and two. Those are Wait, two very different answers, you two. Those are very different. <laughs> I was being serious, too. I think he'll get like 25. Legitimate how, many, minutes. how many minutes did he play last series? I probably played like five total nine. last minute, last series. So I, get, I, I don't think he played I any. You don't but... use him because it's the Rockets and they do small ball, but I don't see 25 a game. I, I think I'll meet in the middle of you guys and go 15. Okay, 15. 15 is probably way more accurate than 25. <laughs> well, now on to the East, right? We can we can talk Miami. We'll talk Miami-Boston in, in just a second. Uh, game 2 just finished as we're recording this podcast. But I do want to backtrack just a little bit to the Bucks and Giannis because Giannis and the Bucks are out. The best team in the regular season is not in the playoffs anymore after round 2. And... I want to ask y'all, if you're Giannis Antetokounmpo, do you stay in Milwaukee, stay one more year, then go be a free agent and try and test the market, or do you demand a trade, or how do you kind of play the current cards you're now dealt? And the cards you're dealt are Eric Bledsoe missing every open shot that he has. So that's basically the card that you're dealt. So how do you play that? If you're Giannis, what do you do? I... I'd stay. Stay. Yeah, I'd stay. I, they, I mean, they've already come out saying, and I also don't know what this even means, but the Bucks have said, like, 
we are willing to go spend money for you, like to find other players. Go into the luxury don't, tax, yeah. Don't know, actually know what that entails for them. Like who, who could that? Do you guys even know who that might even be? Who that refers no. to? I haven't checked. Maybe like Malcolm. Frankly, no in, idea. I don't know. But... <laughs> yeah, but you just had him. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, no, but I'd stay. I think you had. You did have a bad playoff season in a row, um, but you were still so good in the regular season. And the Heat, the Heat were a tough matchup for you, and you'll play the Heat again. But I don't know. I, I just don't think that that was sustainable. I thought the Bucks, if John, Giannis didn't get hurt in one of the earlier games, I think they would have been fine in that series still. And then they would have beat whoever won the Raptors-Celtics. Yeah. Grant, what do you think? Who was it that uh, it was – it was no, sorry. Um, Richard Jefferson who tweeted that uh, Giannis is not Jordan; he's Pippin. Um, oh my god! I yeah, did not think great. that was that as hot of a take as it might seem. Really? Um, but then Max Kellerman made a good point. Followed up with that, he said he's not Pippin looking for his Jordan; he's Shaq looking for his Kobe. That might be a little more oh, apt okay. comparison. So, like the the point I being, like he's not the you know complete legend all-time player who can carry a team on his own i mean lebron at 25 was carrying um mo williams and zadrunas to the finals he was he was he was carrying us yeah to the nba finals. so like Giannis is not that let's just let's just put that out there Giannis is not 25 year old lebron as good as he is he's not 25 year old lebron um yeah so he's not that player he's still an all-time great player probably he's on that path at least um but mm-hmm. needs another really really good maybe 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 not you know top 15 type player but like you know another true superstar to really reach his potential so oh that was a good point yeah um i don't remember what the original question was <laughs> uh should john should Giannis sorry should Giannis stay or should he leave right um i think this doesn't really answer the question but Giannis. Giannis, uh, if any star in the league, Giannis is probably the most likely to stay in this situation. I think any other star would probably leave after these past two playoffs. Um, That's a good point, yeah. But if I were him, yeah, I mean, Miami would be looking pretty damn good. <laughs> Pull a LeBron. I'm taking my talents yeah. from the cold Milwaukee Bucks to the Miami, to the South South Beach. Yeah. I'd... Yeah. I would want to stay in the Eastern Conference. I would pull up, pull another LeBron, For stay sure. in the Eastern Conference. Um, but yeah, Miami would be looking pretty good. I mean, you know, you're getting top flight organizational uh, structure there and um, culture, yep. and yep. they've already got a really good foundation. So yeah, I would be looking at that. And plus, you don't have to play against Bam anymore. That'd be great. What if the Bucks made a trade, offseason trade for Chris Paul? How would you feel then? Yeah, I've I've seen that. Um, Ooh, this is a guy you know. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I would. I would. I would love it. I I I love Chris Paul. I don't. I do not even know how he would work with that team. I don't. I don't know what they would do with him. I I don't know. So I and and I don't know if he's gonna fall off a cliff next year or not. So I don't know. Right. There is uncertainty in that regard. How about you, Francis? Where you where you stand on this? It's this is tough for me because. If if Giannis were to make it to the Eastern Conference Final or the Western or the or the NBA Final and lose to you know the Clippers, Lakers, or whoever made out the West, or lose to the Celtics or Raptors, 
or held the Heat, but in in the in the Eastern Conference Final or the NBA Final, then I would think Giannis is definitely staying. He's he's he would still think he's on the right path. Um, they're still building. I actually wanted to ask you all about Chris Middleton and in terms of that second guy, and how what do you what do you think of him holding that torch? But we can get to that after this. But I still think he would have stayed because that's a that's a good point that that you made that anybody probably would leave. But Giannis is not just anybody. He actually seems like a guy who genuinely likes being in Milwaukee, being in that market. He's embraced that culture because it's embraced him right back. We were kind of saying the same things about LeBron and Cleveland, but we could kind of see the the markings on the wall that LeBron was going to leave at some point. With Giannis, you don't really see the markings on the wall that he would want. He genuinely wants to play somewhere else. You don't see that. I think he actually likes to be in Milwaukee. And I've always had the opinion that if anybody were to stay... Sorry, no. I've always been of the opinion that if Giannis does leave, then what else do you do as a small market team to incentivize your star player to stay in your market? What else can you do? You know, I, I just don't know what else what else you can do to incentivize your guy to stay in your market because the the Milwaukee Bucks built a team around Giannis. They, they their entire being is around Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah. They identified him and they're like, this is the guy that we're going to build around, and we're going to show we're going to shower you with our love and affection. It's basically what the Milwaukee Bucks did. And if that doesn't work, what kind of message does that send? To, for example, the Grizzlies, who have a, or, uh, who have a potentially transcendent talent in John Morant. What kind of message does that send to a smaller market team who gets that guy at a very young age and wants to keep them there for a very long time? It sends a terrible message. That's the message it sends. It's a horrible message. Because in the back of your mind, you're always going to be wondering, what else can I do? What else can I do? When the Bucks did literally all they can do. So I... I pray that he stays. I hope he stays. And I don't think he goes. But if anything over the past few seasons has taught me in the NBA, it definitely wouldn't surprise me if he left. Because I, it, you, can't, you should not be surprised about the NBA anymore. Because like, that's, this is the NBA. Things happen all the time that you're never going to expect. So if he actually left, cool. Good for Giannis. He wants a better opportunity. He wants to be on a better team. But God, I hope he stays. Because as a Grizzlies fan, man, it's that would be so devastating to small markets if he actually did leave. It really begs the question, what do the Grizzlies do when Kyle Anderson is up for the Supermax extension? <laughs> That's right. It's it's re- it really does. I thought you were about I, because Kyle. It, I thought you were about to say uh, it really begs the question: Should we even have small market teams? <laughs> <laughs> should we have the supermax? Yeah, is, is an actual question. But I'm actually. I don't want to get too off topic here and lead us down another path. But I'm actually yeah, maybe yeah, even sorry. more interested in what the Rockets do this off season with Mike D'Antoni gone. Um, are they going to promote yeah. someone internally and just? stick with their guns um, or, or are they yeah. going to change i mean they're, they're so entrenched in this system i don't even know i would be so interested to see how their players adapt how pj tucker and daniel house and james harden adapt to just a normal 
a more normal system at least if they're not going to stick with this. Um, which, the, you didn't mention Russell. You didn't, you didn't mention coach. Russell. Say, I, I, oh I didn't hear God. either one of what, what either of y'all said. I was going to say, watch, watch them end up hiring the uh, the older, who's now retired, but the Grinnell basketball coach. The Grinnell basketball coach, yeah. yeah the only threes, and if you don't shoot within eight seconds, just give the ball away. <laughs> give to George. Give to George the job. Yeah. George, George yeah, knows how to, to run say, it. Let's get Mike to George. <laughs> Let's get your boy. <laughs> Let's get your guy. But, no, that's a very good point, Grant, and we, that's definitely something – we will discuss at a future time because it's it's going to be a good conversation to have. But I do want to ask y'all, Grant, that your point about this, the second guy that Giannis has been looking for. I've heard over the past few weeks so much hate on Chris Middleton. So I much. I don't think I've heard and any it, hate it, on Chris Middleton, to be honest. Well, I'm, well, on, Twitter. Grant, or Connor, I'm on Twitter either, so Con- neither of us are have. Good. I'm glad y'all have it because... I hate the fact that I have, and I want to ask y'all: Is can he be that guy? Is he that guy to be the to be the the second player to to Giannis, or is he not enough? You know, we both love Chris Middleton. Um, yeah, so maybe I'm I'm kind of preaching to the choir here, but and I honestly, you know, I, I I honestly think he's a really good fit next to Giannis as both a spot up shooter and a guy who can actually be an ISO guy that Giannis can't really be. Um, and he's not, you know, he's not the best ISO guy in the league, but he's, he's pretty good. He's, I mean, he's a very good mid-range shooter. Um, he's big, he's long, he can get a shot over anyone, really. So he's pretty good in that role. Uh, maybe he's more cut out to be a third option, but I kind of think his game is pretty suited to be that second option and that secondary playmaker. Um, I, I think it really more has to do with this is not a very deep team. Eric Bledsoe doesn't really show up in the playoffs. Brooke Lopez is, you know, he is what he is, but he's he's limited in, in respects. Um, and it, like I said, it's, it's just not a very deep team. So I think it has more to do with the players behind both of them than it does to do and, with yeah. Chris Middleton. And building on what Grant, what you just touched on, uh, it seems almost like the way you build around Giannis is the same way you build around LeBron or the way you build around Dwight Howard. We're like, here's this guy who's going to command all this attention. Now give us four people to space it out and give the ball, like, to kick the ball out to when everyone collapses on the person, on, on Giannis or, or and whatnot. And, uh, and like, two lead guards that get a ton of minutes for the Bucks are Bledsoe and DiVincenzo. And I didn't realize how bad of a shooter DiVincenzo has been in his NBA career, but it's so far as What, because he's white? He's 31.8%. <laughs> yeah, him, him, and Pat Connaughton somehow are both not very good shooters, and still like pretty solid rotation players in the NBA, which is very strange. And yeah, people have been high on Divincenzo too recently. Yeah. Which well, he's a, he's so a good defender, but how many good? You don't need that many great perimeter defenders. You already have Giannis and Brooke Lopez down low. Get get those guys some right. shooters to pass it out to. Yeah, and that's but but correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't that what the Bucks were trying to do? They're trying to surround Giannis with a shooter, so. Maybe they just gotta find better ones. Buy fully into yeah. it. Just like sign, sign JJ Redick. Try and trade for Duncan Robinson. Like you know, just really go all in for trying to get only shooters around Giannis. Um, who knows what Giannis does? You know, there were reports that he met with the front office and that they went well. Whatever the hell that means. But I really hope he stays. I really, really do. And if he goes, good for him. 
All right, so let's uh, move on. Let's talk about the other conference finals over in the East. The yes. Boring conference. Um, the bo- <laughs> Bam's not boring at all. No, Actually, no Finney, Bam this is, is a not really good series. Like, <laughs> at all boring. Um, he's, yeah, if anything, this might be the better series. Yeah, um, it, oh, it definitely is. Yeah, let's let's talk about some of the X factors uh, and you know what y'all see and predict of this series. What do y'all think? So just so few listeners know, we're going into this, uh, we're recording this episode after game two, so everyone here knows yep. that the Heat are up 2-0. X-Factors, gotta give Marcus Smart the ball more, the guy makes plays. I mean, I just can't stress it enough. Uh, no, I don't know, I don't know what the X-Factors are. Both of these teams are just teams that are built by committee and are really well put together. Yeah, where you think exactly... Like, uh, you know, okay, we have this matchup in this game because this team has a bad defender in this position, so you go, this is your game today, that type of thing. And uh, But both yeah. teams are kind of built in a way that they're ready to stop that on both sides. And it's, uh, I, I still have no idea what to say for next factor. I guess coaching. No, I, I think that's, uh, yeah, I will actually, that's that's actually not a bad point because I watched a, I watched a really good video about how the Celtics Raptors might have been one of the best chess battles in the history of basketball between Nick Nurse and Brad Stevens mm-hmm. because the way the term the, the different types of looks that they threw at each other and how they both had to adapt to it and how they they, they did and it just honestly came down to who hit the shot yeah. who didn't that's what it came down to it was such a good series and I can actually see that same thing happening again it's actually interesting to think as you mentioned Grant the Eastern Conference being the quote-unquote more boring conference but there are some really fascinating coaching matchups in the Eastern Conference because you had Nick Nurse, Brad Stevens, and then you have Spolstra, Budenholzer in the Heat Bucks series, and you have Spolstra, Stevens, and I'm a huge Eric Spolstra guy. Mostly it's because he's Filipino, but he's also a, a, an amazing coach. Is that coach. what he is? He's he Filipino? Doesn't get, oh, oh. Is he is that what yeah. he is? My God, that, that's a I, I'm, just, I'm just wondering why he was so tan. I was like, does he just, just need to look that way? Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he is a definitely Filipino, and he's honestly I think an underrated coach. I don't think enough people talk about how great of a coach he is. He's so good. So it'll be another really good matchup between Stevens and Spolstra, and and in terms of their coaching, um, I think an X factor just by by looking at I watched the game one and looking at the box score of this game. I didn't get to watch uh, really any of this game unfortunately, but the Celtics seem to be. We know who, we know they have the, the three-headed horse led by Walker, Tatum, and Brown. Connor, Connor's big Marcus Smart guy. I think we're all big Marcus Smart guys. Um, we can you can rely on him to provide some offensive punch and just be that nuisance and pest defensively and give and be the guy who's going to give you 110. Okay, percent Can we call him? A, then can after we give that, him more credit than calling him a nuisance since he's a first-team defender. Okay, how about uh, a defensive not, terror? Oh, shit. How about that? There yeah. you go. Thank you, Connor. Uh, yeah. The defensive terror he is. But other than those four guys, Daniel, you have Daniel Tice, Brad Wanamaker, Ennis Cancer, who is a decent offensive player but still limited. Then Grant Williams, and he went to Tennessee, so he's not good at all. <laughs> like, uh, what What do you do? Like, we, we, know they're, we know who the Celtics are. We know their big three. Marcus Smart kind of makes up a big four. And also, but, also, where is Gordon Hayward? I just haven't seen reports about he's it. He's still hurt, I, I think. Hurt, he was, 
thought he was, was back. They, they thought he was going to come back this game, but they, they moved him back. So probably next game. Next game? Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Because there were people who were concerned about the Celtics losing Gordon Hayward scoring. And I think if there's a series where it's really going to show the lack of the, that lack of scoring and depth, because after those guys I mentioned, you don't have scoring at all, period. So that X factor, hell, it could be Gordon Hayward. The guy, when he comes back healthy, he could be that guy to provide another scoring punch when the Celtics put up a lineup that has basically no scores at all. So... Maybe that's the guy, and I. It's hard to really determine an X factor, as as y'all mentioned, but I think the Celtics just the Celtics need desperately more overall scoring, top to bottom, because Tatum, Brown, Walker can't just do it themselves. They can't. Yeah, I very much agree with what you said, Connor. That both these teams are built by committee, um, and they don't. You can't really just shut down one thing. Uh, they they don't just rely on their offense or the defense coming from one place. Um, they're very varied in what they do, diversified. Um, so I, I think this the series is just such a great matchup. It's really even. I think it's going to be a super close series. I've, games, If it's not game seven, I'd be shocked. Um, so I really think it's going to come down to clutch shooting. And in particular, I think Jimmy Butler and Kimba are the, the guys that are kind of going to be if those guys are hitting shots for their teams in the clutch, then the, the, their teams are going to win games. Jimmy Butler you know, is a guy who typically is a pretty, you know, an average shooter, but this year has been horrible both as far as percentage and volume. He's not been taking many threes at all. Uh, he had a big corner three in game one. Um, that was really important. He's a guy that they really need to be taking those shots for them um, and, and making them for them to have a chance – Kimba is like, you know, one of my favorite things to watch, and I think Zach Lowe mentioned him mentioned this in one of his ten things uh, a while back. Oh yeah, is guards thinking that they have a mismatch on Bam, um, and Bam just like shutting them down, being like, no, like what are you talking? Oh about? Yes, what, are you, Bam. what are you talking about? A Kimba might yep. be one of the few that actually does have a mismatch when he gets matched up with Bam. He's just so quick. Interesting. He hit he hits you with a drive crossover a step back combo that you just you can't stay in front well, um well is not that tall right he is a wings height isn't he he's like six eight six nine yeah so he's, he's not yeah. that tall but yeah yeah um but i mean he defends guards better than even you know a lot of wings do yeah okay yeah. um yep but um on the other end i think an x factor kind of is are the heat going to be able to take advantage of kemba uh the Celtics do a good, really good job of scrambling back and getting Kemba out of bad mismatches. The Heat also don't have a lot of players who can really just bully Kemba that yeah. well, like that are that skilled. Like Jimmy Butler is really the only one that can. If I mean Bam, obviously if they end up with that matchup, but that's not going to happen a lot. Then um, it's <laughs> yeah. like Jay, Crow- Jay Crowder wrong. and Duncan Robinson aren't going to take advantage of that mismatch that much. So it's no. really are, are they going to be able to pound him with Jimmy Butler when they when they get that matchup? I think that's pretty important. They got to take advantage of that. So those are like I could, kind of sm- I could smaller see. X factors. But yeah, like like Connor said, it's it's hard to peg one down when you're so balanced on both sides of the ball, like these teams are. Just building off what you guys have just talked about, something that's popped to my mind is I guess maybe you can count as an X factor. But um, like Jimmy Butler, like you said, clutch clutch points can finish games. Uh, one of the knocks that people give the Rockets is 
Okay, yes, a three point a three pointer is efficient in the long run, but let's say this is crunch time. It doesn't matter if you know you shoot a hundred of these. That at the end of the day, that's efficient. It's like we need points right now, and you know we're not looking at like you know if we did this a hundred times, how many points you have in the game? We're looking at like can what's the highest percent you can get us a point at this moment, and uh, and Jimmy Butler is someone that is like has proven that like, okay he he can get you a high percentage look by just barreling through someone's chest or something, uh, going to the basket. Do the Celtics have someone like that where it can, can Tatum or can Kemba, uh, when you just need points, not necessarily a three, just you need anything, like, are you, are, can they get you a good, uh, a good percentage shot? Like watching game one, um, Tatum had a few threes in a row late in the game which I, I guess technically they weren't terrible shots, but for the situation, like you have to just get points on the board. Don't, we're not looking for a step back right. three at this exact moment, you know, just get a high percentage. Yeah, right. And so that's, that's something that needs to be worked on. Right. That's like, that's what I was talking about with why, why I kind of chose Kemba as the, the person for that, the Celtics. Cause I don't think while Tatum can kind of get a pretty good shot, like you said, like anytime he wants, um, I don't think he's quite there where you trust him, you know, fully all the time I think the best really the best shot is is getting Kemba on a mismatch and getting him to a step back mid-range jumper he's been pretty money with those yep. um he's been money with those his whole career yeah right exactly so um and, he, and he's done it multiple times this playoff so that's yeah if if he's hitting that shot that I think that's huge for him yeah I watched an interesting video about Jason Tatum's leap in terms of his progression from last year up until now, he got votes for most improved player. And you look at his just baseline stats, baseline stats, and then you look at his advanced stats, there's a pretty big jump from last season up to now. So he's definitely taking a leap. And the video that I watched, it definitely cited his shot selection as a big reason why that he has taken that leap. But as you mentioned, Connor, as of recent, I have been questioning his Jason Tatum shot selection, and when it when push comes to shove in these moments, I would still be trusting Kemba Walker more than Tatum or definitely Jalen Brown to be the guy to hit the shots that you need in those clutch moments. But no, I definitely I definitely like the points that that both of you make. Um, it's going to be a really good series just overall. I it, it's interesting because the Heat are up 2-0, so the Celtics. Will they get into a 3-1 situation? Will they climb back and tie this game, tie this series up 2-2? That'll be very interesting. Um, but, you know, I, I can't wait to see this play out. And I hope it goes 7 because I think this this could be a really good series. I mean, fuck, game, game 1 was so good. Like, that bam block on Jason Tatum was mind-blowing. Yeah. Like, I, I have a messed up... I have a messed up jaw where it actually hurts to, like, open it fully. <laughs> but when that block happened... Like, I suffered through the pain, and it was just like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> I can't believe what I just saw, you I know? Did. So that was such a good series. I hope it's going to be a good series. His wrist flexion and strength is just out of this world with that. Like, I don't know how he didn't My hand, smush yeah. his hand against the rim. I don't know how his yeah. his wrist shot the ball back, like, all of a sudden. Like, he went back yeah. his bullet and then, like, just elastically just shot back. He said his I fingers just, went numb. Yeah, I believe it. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's so that oh, yeah I can definitely see that I'm watching that live you can kind of you obviously you knew Jason Tatum had one thing on his mind when he when he when he like blew past and was going to the rim he was he was ready to just dunk on somebody 
and then you saw Bam rise. And in the back of your head is like, I think Bam's gonna block this. And then he did. And it was just like this that was amazing. Like that that is basketball. That's NBA playoffs at its at its absolute finest. And speaking yeah. of the playoffs, I think it's this is a good time to do our predictions for the rest of it. I uh, Connor Gr- Connor sorry, Grant and I have talked about the Lakers and our predictions for the West, but Connor We'd love to hear your prediction and just overall, who do you think is going to win it all? So what do you think, guys? So I'll do my West prediction now. I will say my heart. Actually, I don't even know. I kind of want my heart. I want to see LeBron in the finals. I, so I'm going uh, I'm going Lakers in six, I think, because I agree with you. Okay. I think Jokic and Murray could have uh, two games where they – go berserk but otherwise the Lakers handle this one in relative <laughs> not complete ease but I think they they feel pretty comfortable with this series and then uh, yep. now we're going to the east and I will go with screw it I'm going Celtics in seven. Ooh. Yeah. hey the Raptors the like showed you know you just stay competitive you know all you need is one one thing to go your way and all of a sudden it's a series again so um, I like it yeah, I already, I already picked the the West Lakers in four. I mean Lakers in five. Excuse me. Um, I want to use my time. No, come on, be ballsy and say Lakers in four. Come no, on. No, no. <laughs> I was close to going Lakers in six, but I, I I think I think there will be two blowout Lakers games, and then the other three games will be close. But the Lakers win two out of those three. Um, but I want to use my time to mention this real quick the nba i'm pretty sure it's the nba instagram account posted the best dunks so far of the playoffs or i guess it was the best dunk with dunks of the conference semifinals and there were eight i think eight maybe nine of them and lebron was four of those dunk those dunks out of those eight or nine best dunks wow. of, the, of the semifinals lebron had four of those dunks so at age 35 that's just pretty crazy um yeah i just a really quick, if we had if we had a little more time, I wanted to talk to you about how just amazing LeBron's been because we had last episode just talking about, or last one or the one before, I can't remember right now, but we talked about LeBron possibly being washed. Yeah. And he has just shut all of that talk down. Yeah. Just shut it down. And it's great to see. But, yeah, sorry. Go ahead, Grant. Yeah, and then on in the East, um, I'm going to agree with Connor Go Celtics in seven. That's what I'm oh, thinking. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Hate to see Jeez. it. But. Francis, go go heat in four. Uh, <laughs> I was so th- I was gonna say this earlier. I can actually see a scenario where it is heat in four, but all four games are super tight. Like I can see that happening. Uh-huh. So I'm not gonna go heat in four. <laughs> I'm not gonna do it. But I'll go heat in six. And man but they're good he and six but they're all going to be tight there's not going to be a blowout in any of these games i have i have i will happily eat my shit and admit that i was totally wrong about the miami heat from the very beginning i didn't think they had a high enough ceiling to really contend i didn't really i thought they'd struggle frankly the beginning of the year i thought they'd struggle to make the playoffs boy was i wrong like i was just unbelievably wrong and I'm going to go Heat in six, but all really, really tight games. So that's, yeah. that's my I, pick there. I think the Celtics have potential at their peak to blow up the Heat in a game. I don't think the Heat have the potential in a single game to blow up the Celtics, even though the Heat are more likely to win at this point. I think 
the the Celtics have looked like the better team for like really big chunks of these two games. Um, it's I mean they both come down to the wire, and the Celtics had a big lead today that they gave up. They did. Um, so they've just been really close, yeah. and yeah, they'll be out of the heater up 2-0, but uh, like I think the Celtics maybe overall have looked a little better than the Heat. Um, it just maybe it comes down to the crunch time performance of you know Goran Dragic and Jimmy Butler. Um, but hey, and big ups to Goran Dragic. He's been amazing. Yeah, he really has been really really good yeah. like yeah. he's been all-star Goran Dragic so big big props to him if, all right guys if, so sorry, one, one last thing on the Celtics if Hayward does come back that puts a ton actually a ton of pressure on the Heat where hey like some someone of uh, Jalen Brown Tatum and Hayward can do bully ball against Tyler Hero or or, or someone on the court uh, right do you think Hayward helps them? Do you think he's not going to come back and kind of mess up their rhythm that they're in? I don't think like so. Take, take a couple games to get back into the back into his rhythm, and because I think worst case scenario, you use him as a spot up shooter, and he's a thirty eight percent shooter from three. That's worst case scenario. Yeah. So, and not even not even just that, he's going to be with the bench, and he's going to be on that unit that really needs that scoring punch. So I think he would. That's true. And he would be going yeah. against likely Miami's bench as well. So. Uh, I, 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 That's a good point. He, he, it might take a game for him to find that groove or, or a game or two, but um, you know, honestly, I totally, I frankly forgot about Gordon Hayward in terms of him coming back. So um, I'll go, I'll go Heat in seven. How about that? I'll still <laughs> pick the Heat, but I'll go Heat in seven. All right, seven yeah. games. That's fun at least. So if we, if I have the Heat in the finals, we all have the Lakers. I'm, go, I'm just gonna. Say I'm, I'm gonna going, pick I'm the going Lakers. Lakers. No matter what happens. Yeah, I'm going yeah. Lakers too. Yeah, same. Grant? Man, this could this couldn't have okay. worked out better for the Lakers, the matchups they have. This couldn't have worked out better. Like yeah. LeBron and his legacy. Like yeah. what a blessing this playoff has turned into for him. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> hey, and it would also be great TV either way because you get to see LeBron going against his former team and the Heat, and we all know his history with Pat Riley. And then, uh, and if that doesn't happen, then it's Lakers Celtics, and that sells itself. Yeah. So think that about, would be so much fun. Either way, think about how upset the either NBA way. will be if it turns into Heat Nuggets. They will be furious. <laughs> oh my God, they would be <laughs> livid. Oh, there's a part of me hope that hopes that happens now, just to see the, a pissed off NBA or pissed off fan. That would be really funny. But yeah, so that those okay, those are our predictions for the playoffs. I don't know how y'all want to do bets. Do you want to make we can still bet on games, obviously, yeah, but there's so only... We're going to do... Uh, I have the yeah. list of the next five games coming up, so... Okay. Uh, Sounds good. Game one, Nuggets-Lakers. I'll go late. I'll go Lakers. Yeah, Lakers. I have to statistically. The Lakers are 0-2 in game ones in this NBA playoffs. So are you, are you betting are on writing... LeBron to oh, lose another game man. one? Oh, man. Do it for the change. Right, do, no, I, I'm do not. Do it for the change of pace. Oh man! Don't don't succumb to peer pressure. You know what? No, no, no. I I'm, I am going to do it for the change of pace and the fact that it's more fun to drink before this podcast. So I'm gonna okay. <laughs> I'm like gonna that. go Nuggets. All right. Uh, next next one is Game Three. Celtics Heat. Celtics. Celtics. Yeah. If I if it's gonna go like, seven, I have to go Celtics. Celtics. All right. Uh, Nuggets yeah. Lakers Game Two. Lakers. I'll go Nuggets on this one. Okay, I'll go Lakers. Uh, game Four Celtics Heat. I'll go Celtics. Yeah, Celtics again. I have to go Celtics if it's going to go seven. Actually, you know what? No, I'm going to go Heat and then see the Celtics try and pull, pull like, 
win those games in a row and go to seven, and Heat wins game seven. So I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. And then uh, last one, game three, Lakers Nuggets. I'll go back to the Lakers now. I'll go Nuggets this one. I'll go Lakers as well. All right. Well, cool. Five. Awesome. Yeah, I think. Look, it's gonna be fun. I if it's fun to have basketball this late in the year. It's definitely a change of pace, but it's it's fun. It's been an awesome playoff ride. I mean, all the games have been amazing. All the series have been just really, really great series, and I can't wait to see who's going to be crowned champion. We'll we'll definitely have a podcast before the NBA Finals where we break everything down. But Connor Grant, I think that was an awesome episode, and we touched on a lot of different things, and I really enjoyed doing this with you all. And to all the listeners, thank you. Thank you for listening, and I think we'll I think that's really it. We'll see you on episode 14 of the Up and Under. But until then, this has been Francis Carlotta, Connor Byrne, and Grant Heckinger. Peace. <laughs>